to uh, Numbers chapter 7 uh, in our study uh, this fall and winter uh, in the book of Numbers. And if you've looked ahead into the bulletin, what you will notice about this text is that it's 89 verses long, which would take me about 20 minutes to read it out loud to you. And the reason why I know that is because I read it out loud to myself this week to time it to see how long it would take. Um, this is um, it's a long chapter. Uh, so what we're going to do this morning, because um, uh, an awful lot of this chapter is repetition, literally the same thing over and over and over again. We're going to read uh, the beginning and the end. Uh, so to kind of give you a sense of what's going on to bookend uh, what's happening here and to uh, help us uh, get a handle on it um, so that you don't get lost in shekels and uh, male goats and male lambs and uh, that sort of stuff. Um, we'll get to all that, but we're just going to read the beginning and the end to kind of help you understand what's going on. So Numbers chapter 7, uh, we'll read uh, to begin with um, the uh, first 17 verses, and then we'll skip over and we'll read uh, the last six verses. So this is the word of God. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. On the day when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle and had anointed and consecrated it with all its furnishings and had anointed and consecrated the altar with all its utensils, the chiefs of Israel, heads of their father's houses, who were the chiefs of the tribes, who were over those who were listed, approached and brought their offerings before the Lord, six wagons and 12 oxen, a wagon for every two of the chiefs and one for each and for each one an ox. They brought them before the tabernacle. Then the Lord said to Moses, accept these from them that they may be used in the service of the tent of meeting and give them to the Levites to each man according to his service. So Moses took the wagons and the oxen and gave them to the Levites, two wagons and four oxen. He gave to the sons of Gershon according to their service. And four wagons and eight oxen he gave to the sons of Merari, according to their service, under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. But to the sons of Kohath he gave none, because they were charged with the service of the holy things that had to be carried on the shoulder. And the chiefs offered offerings for the dedication of the altar on the day it was anointed, and the chiefs offered their offering before the altar. And the Lord said to Moses, they shall offer their offerings, one chief each day, for the dedication of the altar. He who offered his, his offering the first day was Nashan, the son of Amenadab of the tribe of Judah. And his offering was one silver plate whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver basin of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering. One golden dish of 10 shekels full of incense, one bull, from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, a year old for a burnt offering and one male goat for a sin offering. And for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats and five male lambs, a year old. This was the offering of Nashon, the son of Amenadab. Now skip over to uh, verse 84. Here's the kind of conclusion. This was the dedication offering for the altar on the day when it was anointed from the chiefs of Israel, 12 silver plates. 12 silver basins, 12 golden dishes, each silver plate weighing 130 shekels and each basin 70, all the silver of the vessels, 
2,400 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, the 12 golden dishes full of incense weighing 10 shekels apiece, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, all the gold of the dishes being 120 shekels, all the cattle for the burnt offering, 12 bulls, 12 rams, 12 male lambs a year old with their grain offering and 12 male goats for a sin offering. And all the cattle for the sacrifice of peace offerings, 24 bulls, the rams, 60, the male goats, 60, the male lambs a year old, 60. This was the dedication offering for the altar after it was anointed. And when Moses went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim, and it spoke to him. So, wow, just wow, right? So what you see here in this text is, uh, uh, Becky, go ahead and put my my notes up here, is uh, a description of a 12-day party of giving, a 12-day festival, right? Now, uh, what's interesting about this is, this, this, like I said, this text stands out as the longest chapter in the Bible, now, you might say, well, what about Psalm 119? Well, Psalm 119 is not so much a chapter in the Bible as it is a poem, right? So so in just a kind of a description of an event or a thing that's going on, this is the longest. And uh, that thing I read to you about Amenadab from the tribe of Judah, that's repeated over and over and over again for 12 days. Each tribe with their, their leader shows up at the uh, tabernacle in front of everybody else, and they present their offering. So it's a, it's a pretty profound picture, right? So, uh, and it's also the most repetitive chapter in the whole Bible as well, right? So, so this, this exact same offering is given exactly the same way by each tribe. Exactly. Exactly. Same number of plates, same amount of grain, same number of goats a year old, <laughs> same number of cows, all of that stuff. Over and over and over again. Repeat, 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 repeat. Now, you gotta ask the question, you know, what's, what's wrong with God? Why doesn't He just give us the summary? Give me the executive, uh, summary on this without telling me over each day what happened with each tribe, with the head of that tribe giving the same gift. So what's going on here? What, why repeat this 12 times? Well, it happened 12 days. That's one part of the reason. But the other part of it is God's telling us something. He, he's communicating something very clearly to us by the fact that this is repeated over and over again. So that, so that what you see here is a, is there's something about this offering. There's something about the thing that's going on here that's important for us to see as it's repeated over and over and over again. And that everybody in the group, everybody in the community sees this happening over and over and over again. And it's also this add to add it up that this is a generous gift. This is this is a lot. And and these gifts really are simply the gifts that are needed just kind of for the daily operation of the tabernacle. So here's the thing. This is about giving. This is about generosity. And in fact, that should be generosity is probably the best summary that we can give to what the overall script teaching of the scripture is about giving. Now, what's interesting about this is, is that God does not prescribe in this text what each tribe is supposed to give. They just give, but they all give the same thing. 
Um, anytime you talk about giving, some of you will break out into a sweat because you're thinking, oh, no, they're going to ask me for something. Right? Uh, well, uh, and then some of you are going to think, well, you don't need to ask me for something because I give more than I should already. <laughs> and then some of you are going to say, giving, what's that? Right? <laughs> right? So uh, generosity is such a profound thing. And, and what you have to see in this text that is that makes this such a, a rich thing is that it is a celebration. Now, let me go ahead and tell you why I think they do this and why God repeats it over and over and over again. Because God is celebrating. He is enjoying the gifts of his people. He looks at what they're doing and it makes him happy. And the reason why it makes him happy is not because he's thinking, wow, I've given them so much, they're finally returning something. He, he, he does it because it reflects his character. These people are starting to look like him. And as a result of that, he celebrates the fact that they look like him and he repeats this over and over and over again. And I would submit to you that it is probably unusual for us and difficult for us to think of the fact that God might appreciate the, the, the little bit that we give, uh, that he might celebrate it and that he might actually enjoy it. But I think that's why this text is written the way it is and why it's so repetitive. And so, so generosity is something that obviously must be very important to God because this is something that he repeats here over and over and over again and something he celebrates. So I would submit to you that generosity is something that is uh, largely um, um, a missing virtue for many of us. Uh, this week I had the opportunity to um, take my dad uh, to uh, his last remaining sibling. There were 11 kids in his family. He's the last one left alive. His uh, sister, my Aunt Pearl, 91, died. And so we went to our, it took him back to the ancestral home, so to speak, for her funeral. And uh, one of the ways <clears throat> I know sometimes when I look around my life here in Richmond, particularly in the West End, and I think, I don't really belong here. When I go back and see my people, that helps me understand that. I looked at my aunt and her casket, and she had a hat on. Okay, wait. And it was a hat made of feathers of birds that my uncle killed for her. And so, and I, because I, I said to one of my cousins, I'm like, wow, Aunt Pearl, that's her name, Pearl. I'm like, Aunt Pearl looks great. What's that on her head? <laughs> so it was a beautiful feather hat, but I was not prepared for that. Um, uh, my Aunt Pearl's four years older than my dad. She never had any children. And uh, she, uh, she and her husband, uh, were uh, and he died many many years ago uh, 
were uh, always welcoming and kind to me. And one of the things that I remember about my Aunt Pearl, I only got to see her like four or five times a year because they lived in Tennessee, we lived in North Carolina, that she would come up to me and she would hug me and she would kiss me. And I always remember the way she smelled and she had so much lotion on her face that she always slipped by my face. Our cheeks kind of slid by each other and she would stick a $20 bill in my hand. Now, my Aunt Pearl worked for 33 years sewing lapels on coats at the Palm Beach Suit Factory in Knoxville, Tennessee. Not a bad job for somebody with a fifth grade education. She got paid by the lapel. She bought me my first real suit when I graduated from high school. She took me to the factory store and she bought me a suit. My dad told me that she bought him his first suit when he graduated from high school. Um, and so it always struck me, it uh, did, didn't really dawn on me as a kid when she would hand that $20 bill to me, what that cost. How many lapels did she have to sew to be able to give me a $20 bill? And my brother, I would ask him, I'm like, Brad, did Aunt Pearl give you some money? Yeah. Did she give you a 20? Yeah. I got one too. So we were sitting in the back seat of the car riding back home one time after an event with the family and she'd given us money. And my dad is trying to make a point, you know, this is a teaching moment. And so he's saying to us, well, why do you think your Aunt Pearl gives you the money? My dad reminded me of this this week that I said this. I'm like, well, she does it because I'm cool. (laughs) (laughs) To my shame, I said that. I really... He reminded me that I said that. I mean, it, he still remembers it because he was so ashamed that I said it. But, uh, um, uh, yeah. Which is kind of the way we think about giving, right? It's, the, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not unusual that we, we think that there's a transactional thing going on here whenever we talk about generosity. But what God's talking about here is not transactional at all, Right? So, so as we look at this this morning, I want you to, I want you to see something that's, that's true, uh, uh, about, uh, the very character of God. God celebrates generosity in His people because that is one of the ways and one of the primary ways that we look like Him and we bear witness to the fact that there's a God. The scriptures tell us that God is love, that that is at the core of His being, that that is central to His identity. Now that love that we see that is central to our God, who, that, that marks Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that is central to their, uh, identity, is not just a fellow feeling or a warmth that they experience with one another within the Trinity, or just a warmth that they experience towards what is made. That love that is declared there about the very nature of God is demonstrated in time and in space to us in generosity. In giving, in fact, in the gift, the gift of Jesus Christ. And so whatever else we may say about God and whatever else we may say about our reflection of his image and our reflection of his shaping and, and, and sanctifying influence in our lives, 
This is one of the key aspects of that. One of the ways that we demonstrate that we belong to this God who is a giver is that we're generous. One of the ways that we show that, that not so much that, so that we can appreciate the gift, but it is simply a, a, a the, the truth is that when you come to grips with the fact that I worship this God who loves me, who is for me, who has poured himself out for me, who has shed his blood for me, who has atoned for me when I was clueless and even his enemy, that at the very core of his being is giving so that when I give, I look like him. So I think that's what we have to see about this text, that God God celebrates and enjoys this because he sees in his work being manifest in his people. So there are three sections in this chapter, verses 1 to 9, about the wagons and the oxen, verses 10 through 88, the accounting of the offering, and then verse 89, the fulfillment of the promise of God to speak with Moses uh, in the tabernacle. So first, verses 1 through 9. This is interesting, right? So what we read here is that the people look at the tabernacle, and they come to grips with the fact that we are a pilgrim people. We're on the move. We're going someplace. We're not we're not stationary. We're not going to stay here. We are got we have got to get to the promised land. How are we going to get the tabernacle to the promised land? How are we going to get it there? Now, remember, God had given instructions to these tribes, these Levites. Uh, we look, we talked about this a few weeks ago about the different parts of the tribes were responsible for different parts of the tabernacle. And so so the people look at this and they recognize, hey, we've got to get this tabernacle put up and taken down and we've got to move it. So what's going to be the best way to move it? And so what we read here uh, is uh, that they brought their offerings before the Lord, six wagons and, and 12 oxen, a wagon for every two of the chiefs, for each one an ox. And they bring them to the tabernacle. And God says, accept them. And so Moses took the wagons and the oxen and gave them to the Levites, two wagons and four oxen he gave to the sons of Gershon according to their service, and four wagons and eight oxen he gave to the sons of Merari according to their service under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. But to the sons of Kohath he gave none because they were charged with the service of holy things that had to be carried on the shoulder. So what happens here is the people look at this. God doesn't tell them to give wagons. God doesn't tell them to give oxen. They see the need and they respond. Now, there's something profound about that. There's something rich about that. When when the people of God look at a need and without being asked, they give. Um, I, one of my pet peeves in life, and you know, as a crotchety uh, uh, old man, uh, this list is growing. Uh, but one of my one of my pet peeves about myself, frankly, uh, is. When I say to somebody, let me know if you need anything. Which is okay. You know, as far as it goes. But, but the truth of the matter is, I can look at you often, and if I'm close enough to you, I can see what you need. Right? But, but unless you ask me, then I'm off the hook from having to do anything about it. But, I, I want to feel good about myself. I want to think of myself as a generous person. So at least I offered. If you have any needs, let me know. And that's okay. You know, that's, that's not bad. The, the way you can measure your sincerity about that is when you say that to somebody, if you have any needs, let me know. And then you forget about it. 
And then they call you up and say, hey, you remember how you told me that if I needed anything, I need this? Can I borrow your car? How about your house? Right? And you're like, uh, that's not what I had in mind. Right? I didn't really mean it. Right. So so what happens here is that the people see this, they recognize this and they respond. They give they give the wagons. Now, the other thing to note about this is some guys, some tribes get more wagons and oxen than others. Right. Because they have heavier, bigger things to handle. And then there's the one tribe who doesn't get any wagons or any uh, 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 oxen because they have to carry everything by poles. They, they probably should have given them a gym membership or something like that. Right. So so they could get in shape to, to carry these things. But but they don't. They, so they take the, the, these offerings, they take these oxen and they distribute them so that they can so that they can do that. These gifts are remarkable because the people saw a need and met it. But they also met it in an appropriate way. They didn't force the oxen upon the, the, the people and the wagons upon the people who were going to carry the Ark of the Covenant. Because the Ark of the Covenant can only be carried by poles, by sticks on the shoulder, right? So this is a very appropriate way in which the leaders take the gifts and they apportion them correctly according to what it is that God has uh, prescribed. I think this is a beautiful thing. I think this is a, a, a wonderful picture of all of the people of God getting together, seeing a need, and they meet it, right? And then verses 10 through 80, 88, the gifts that are required for the daily functioning of the tabernacle. Now, these all these offerings, all these animals, all these grain, all these plates and utensils and all of this are not special offerings. They're not unique things. They're like, they're like the annual fund for the tabernacle. They are, they are what is required for it to function day to day. This is what you gotta have to do all the stuff that God has said for you to do. You gotta have this number of, of sheep, this number of goats, this number of, of, uh, cattle, this number of utensils and all of that kind of stuff. So next slide, please, Becky. And so, so what you have to see about this is, and the reason why this is repeated is that everyone gave and everyone saw that everyone gave. None of this folding the check up when the plate comes around so the people sitting behind you can't see what you gave. You don't think that's funny? I think that's hilarious. I think that's really funny. Right? Everybody sees what everybody's doing. But it's even more offensive than that. Everybody gives exactly the same thing. Now, that may seem equitable, but we know... Based on the census, some tribes are bigger than others. And I'm certain, because they're people, some people are richer than others. So, frankly, this was a bigger burden for some people than it was for others. But everybody gave. It was an expression. And that just, frankly, that probably doesn't seem that fair. Maybe. I don't know. Uh It's fair in the sense that everybody gave the same thing. But maybe it's not fair that based on people's resources or lack of resources, right? See, the thing we we think about this is we primarily think of giving as generosity as an individual decision of stewardship between me and God. That's the way we think about it. And, and we don't think about the fact that the way God's thinking about it, at least in this text, in this situation, is that this is something that we all do. 
And this is something that everybody together expresses their unity and their commitment to one another and the reflection of God's character together, that this is something that the community comes together and does, that this is something that they all participate in, and they all participate in it at the same level. So so what, whatever, whether you're a rich tribe or a poor tribe, a big tribe or a small tribe, this is what it takes. This is what we give. Yet again, I think that's part of the reason why God lays this out. So so that an astute reader of this could go back and say, well, that tribe only had 10,000 people in it and they gave this much without calling them out. It gets a pretty powerful picture of the fact that what's happening here is, is that the people of God are uniting together and understanding what it's going to take to do this. And in response to the goodness and the love of God, they respond in this way of giving. So the people are giving because they see a need, but they're also giving because God has given to them first. Now, one of the things that you'll note about this text is it's out of order. Chronologically, right? Uh, This actually should go much closer to the beginning of the book of Numbers. So why does it come here? Why is it placed here? Why, Why this cataloging of all these things here. Uh, because the fact is they, you know, the, the, the stuff with the tabernacle was several chapter, chapters ago, right? So why here? Why now? Well, I think it is not a, uh, it's, it's not a misunderstanding to note that what came right before this text, Becky put my notes up there, God had promised blessing. The verses that precede chapter seven, verse one are these. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God's promised blessing. God has said he is with his people. God will give them what they need. He will lift his countenance up upon them. His face will shine upon them. He will be turned towards them. He is determined to bless them. And these people who only a year before were slaves... These people who only a year before barely knew anything about this God at all has seen him save them, has seen him deliver them, has seen the dead bodies of their enemies wash up on the shore. They've seen him do the plagues and they've seen his grace and his mercy demonstrated to them in delivering them from their oppressors, right? And so as a result of that, what do they say? This God is for us. This God is going to bless us. He has said to us he's going to bless us. He's demonstrated that he's going to bless us. And because we see this happening in time and in space, we we give. We can respond because our God is for us. He will bless us. He will provide everything that we need. You see, that's exactly what we have in the gospel. We have Jesus Christ come in the flesh the very promise of God has has been fulfilled in time and in space. God gives. And as a result of that, we can be confident, we can be certain, and we, too, can reflect his character of generosity. And then lastly, we read this verse 89. And it's kind of, again, another one of these verses where you think, well, what's happening here? And when Moses went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim and spoke to him. Is God coming down now and speaking in the tabernacle because the people gave? You gave to me, now I'll come and talk to you. No. 
In Exodus 25, uh, before this, God told Moses, when you get the tabernacle built, this is how we're going to communicate. You come into the Holy uh, of Holies. I'll be there between the cherubim on the mercy seat of the ark, and I'll tell you what to do. I'll tell you what's going on. I'll speak to you. I'll talk to you, right? And so what we see here is, is that the Lord is keeping his promise. Yet again, another uh, kind of a, a, a wonderful picture of this community that is reflecting the character of its God and this God keeping his promise to this community. This is a, this is a beautiful thing, right? Because now the, the, as, as the people have followed these instructions, they built the tabernacle, they've seen the goodness of God, they have responded with generosity, and God is continuing to keep his promise. Sometimes we think, I think, that, you know, we, we give um, uh, to pay God back. Or sometimes I think we give because if we don't give, uh, God might take from us. Or sometimes I think we, we, we give because somehow or other there's uh, some kind of big payoff for this. But I think what we see here in this text is that the response of generosity that, that, that is happening here, that is being uh, the example that we see here, is, is in light of who our God is. If God's big, promise keeper, lover, giver, did not spare his own son for us, how will he not also give us all things? When we believe that, it pries our fingers off our stuff. And it, it calls on us and it says to us, this God is for us and he will take care of us. He will give us what we need. Do you want to be a generous people? Do you want to reflect that? Well, just remember that God was generous to you first and he continues to be generous. And our response to that simply is a reflection of what he has already done in his gift for us. Let me pray. Lord, thanks today for uh, this text. Thanks for this festival of giving that you celebrated with your people in the wilderness. Help us uh, to trust you. Help us to see you as a promise keeper, a promise fulfilling God. And help us, Lord, to, um, to trust you to give us uh, what we need. Lord, I pray for us as a congregation that you would move us by your grace and your mercy and you would move us by need to be quick and generous uh, with uh, what you have already given us in Jesus Christ. Bless us today, we pray, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. As the guys come down front to take up the offering, let me remind you to drop your tear off. I end the plate. Uh, please don't feel pressure to give. If Jesus has been generous to you, be, uh, be generous in your giving today.